you need to sneeze? No. Do you? Should we both sneeze? No. Do you want to? Um, On three, let's sneeze. One, (laughs) two, three. (laughs) Okay, good. start with a mic check we always start with a mic check mic check mic check mic check one one two three five eight thirteen oh hang on what is that that's the uh oh what's the word for that sequence fibonacci that's the one fibonacci good old jim fibonacci i'm pretty sure was his name no that doesn't sound right Two Most Difficult, episode 15. We've got a strange one here today. We've got a weird one. We've got an exciting one. It's It can be that too. We have one single review. Yes. And Kevin, this one is for you. Yeah. You specifically asked for Terraforming Mars and we were honestly all too happy yeah. to bust it out and play it again and review it for yeah, you. Yeah. So. It'd been a while. So we figured, yeah, now's a good time. We, we sat down and we said, we should play it with some expansions. And then we realized that we hadn't actually played it in a while. And we said, uh, let's put those right back in and just play the base game again. But we still have it out on the table. It is. And we will play it with an expansion before we put it away. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Other than that, we have an entirely new feature, and it is called the mailbag. Bum, ba, ba. I spent a long time coming up with the name of that feature, uh, and I feel like it did a pretty good job. Knocked it out of the park, I think. Just... Mailbag. Doesn't that just sound great? I don't know. I don't know what else call their feature mailbag. It says ex- it describes exactly what it is, a bag of mail. There's a reason they don't call it the mail sack, probably. <laughs> so uh, we are going to read a, a select sample of the 47,164 emails that we picked up Yeah, as a result of our contest from uh, last episode. Uh, and uh, we're going to choose a winner for our giveaway for our $80 Canadian. Do they have, is that called $80 Canadian? It's not called like Canuck Bucks or anything like that? I mean, I'm pretty sure they just say $80. Isn't it weird? <laughs> 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 they walk into a Tim Hortons and they say, oh, I'd like to have a, a maple donut and a, and a coffee. Uh, that'll be uh, that'll be $4.23 Canadian. <laughs> okay. Is that more Minnesotan, I think? I don't know. The Canadian accent police are going to come after me. So I think I need to get back into the bunker that I've that I've shored up and yeah, fortified. Yeah, fortunately, Paul is so used to offending people that <laughs> he's got a pretty sweet setup down there now. Specifically for accent-related reasons. Let us move on to our Terraforming Mars review and then the mailbag after that. Got to go. When I look out into space, past the dust clouds, the comets, the comets, the asteroids, (laughs) the empty space, (laughs) when I look out past the empty space, beyond the empty space, the floating Teslas (laughs) with recalcitrant billionaires, and when I look past the hidden planets that nobody can actually see. I see uh, the great red dot in the sky, planet of Mars, intimidating, vast, waiting to be conquered by us humans. 
And what better way to simulate the conquest of the great red dot in the sky than through a board game? Ba 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 ba. That's right, folks. This is the Terraforming Mars review. The Terraforming of Mars simulator. They did their research. They uh, they've painstakingly done all the physics, all the science, and they've they've managed to present it to us here in board game form on your table. I would like to just briefly let our dear listener know about the extensive experience we've had playing this game. <laughs> well, yes, we've played it a lot uh, over the over the last few months. So much, yeah. and we were introduced to it by some dear friends who we love playing games with and bought it for ourselves. Now, Paul does not like when I win a few games in a row of a certain game. And I feel the same way when I lose a few games in a row. Sure. To you, I want to keep playing it until I can do better. (laughs) Now, this game is not like a simple, you know, oh, just put it down, start over. Oh, we'll get you next time. Right. This is like... A long game. <laughs> it's a commitment. Definitely a commitment. And we brought this one when we were traveling, visiting Paul's folks. And oh gosh, I don't know how <laughs> many times we played it on that trip. It was a yeah. lot. It was quite a few. We terraformed Mars multiple times. <laughs> My favorite part actually about playing this at your folks was not that you did inevitably find ways to win and beat me. Uh, but I wouldn't even call that inevitable. That that is not <laughs> inevitable at all. <laughs> that is miraculous. I mean, at that point, we're <laughs> at that point we're just playing the the law of large numbers, which yeah, is right. there is a universe in which yeah. Paul wins this game, and we found it. Roll a d one hundred a hundred times, and let's see if my number eventually comes up. <laughs> but was that your mom continued to get the name wrong? She called it terrorizing Mars. Terrorizing I Mars. Terrifying Mars. Terrifying Mars. Yeah. Was, wasn't it something like repopulating Mars? Repopulating yep. Mars. Oh, mom. <laughs> Yee. That's, a, that's not a game I'd want to play with anyone in my family. <laughs> not a family game. No. Yep. Terraforming Mars. This is a, this is a, a big daddy. This is a big daddy in the board gaming world. It, it showed up and, you know, I was not playing games at the time. Uh, I was at a lull in the hobby. So I can't really speak from experience on if this game really just like showed up out of nowhere and just knocked people down or if it was one of these things where everyone kind of knew it was coming and it was it was a, a big deal and then when it landed everyone was like the hype is real or, or something like that but we have it here and we have been asked to go over it and give our thoughts by Kevin from Montreal who wrote in as part of our a board game bliss gift card giveaway contest that we announced all the way back in episode 14. We have it out on our table right now and uh, and let's um, let's go over it and talk about what this game is all about in case you dear listener have not had a chance to experience it. We're here for you. We've got you covered. So first impression first impression you open this box and just just red dust comes out of it. Yeah, there's a bit of an explosion. You cough a little bit. They definitely did not have any problem getting you into this game to make me feel like what it's really like on Mars. Yeah, that is what I felt like. I I felt like I'm on Mars and Mars is full of bits of cardboard and plastic (laughs) cubes and coated 
metallic plastic cubes. And Some people got so there. many cards. People got there before us, and they just left all this stuff behind. <laughs> and now we excavate it. <laughs> they probably died playing this game. One out of twenty copies of Terraforming Mars comes with a, a Martian virus. So you know, if you're lucky, you get to experience ugh, something gross. That I does just, it give you superpowers? <laughs> super something. I feel like it can go either way <laughs> with a Martian virus. That's true. It depends. Yeah. So all of this joking aside, the box is full. It does kind of explode at you when yeah. you open it. There are hexes. Hexes Yay. in space. <laughs> there are translucent cubes, which are your player cubes in different colors. Yep. There are metallic coated cubes of different sizes, gold, copper, and silver. Yeah. There is a just enormous deck of cards. It's so big. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I would I would say it's like 150, 200. Let me find out in the rule book right now. You keep going. Perfect. You look that up. Yeah, I will. Uh, then the player mats have a lot going on. Let me. Uh... I don't know. how. Oh, wait. Here we go on the back. We've got 208 project cards. What did you guess? 150? 150, 100 okay. and something. You yeah, it's a big stack. Yeah. So the player mat has just icons upon icons there's one two three four five six tracks yep it's a nice player mat that has the double layer so when you put your cubes in there they stay in their spot wrong we have the special deluxe versions (gasps) yeah the ones that come with the game super flimsy oh no yeah flimsy thin pieces of cardboard uh, I don't remember what you get the double layer player boards in. I think there's an expansion that, that comes with it. When we got this game, we got everything all together and we got our copy used and someone had just thrown everything in a big box and gave it to us and it came with these double layer player boards. So we're a little spoiled. Oh man. Well, I whatever have... expansion that is, dear listener, if if you like Terraforming Mars, get out there and, and Yeah, get try it. and track it down. Yeah. Because... You can knock this thing, and <laughs> yeah. even with the little inset where you can move your cube along, it can still get knocked. Yeah. And on the subject of deluxe versions of this game, actually, yeah. funny little anecdote which I would like to share, which is, <laughs> I think you know where this is going. Uh, our, our all the way friend, to Mars. All the way to Marks. All the way to terrifying, terrifying Marks. Okay, sure. <laughs> our dear friend Mark, who yeah. uh, introduced this game to us had bought some kind of an upgrade which involved getting nicer metal bits. The big box, the Terraforming Mars big box. It was like two or $300, and it came with uh, all plastic versions of all of these tiles. Nine plastic oceans, however many plastic cities and, and greenery tiles, everything. Every three-dimensional plastic on the board. And? And? Metal versions of the metallic plastic cubes that we have. Yeah. Here's... The great part of the story. <laughs> okay. When Mark opened the package of these metal cubes, yeah, found that each individual cube, and I don't know, rough guess, there's probably a hundred. I was going to guess more like two hundred. Yeah, cubes. Uh, at least uh, I think I think I feel like a hundred of these copper cubes, maybe of these small copper cubes. Well, there are many, many cubes. Yeah, and. Each and every one was in its own tiny little Ziploc bag. I don't know who had it worse, Mark for having to open them or, or the person who had to bag them. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. But we were ruminating on how this could possibly have happened. Yeah. And our best guess is that the order was put into the factory yeah. for 200 by one yeah. such and such dimension copper cube. Yep. 
100 <laughs> by such and such a dimension. Yeah. Silver cube, et cetera, et cetera. And for the gold cubes. Yeah. And that was interpreted, I think, backwards yeah. from how it should have been, which should have been one by 200 of yeah. these. One order of 200 <laughs> copper cubes. And instead it was uh, 200 orders of one copper cube. And they're like, okay. And I just, some poor, you know, some poor line worker in, in the factory in China is looking at this and is saying, ah, this can't be right. <laughs> this can't be right. And he goes to his boss and his boss just gives him the stern factory manager look. And the poor line worker goes, okay, I guess I'm, I guess I'm bagging 200 cubes per copy of this game. You know, now that I think about it, it's probably a machine. I was just going to say, I hope there's a machine. Yeah. And I'm now, I'm actually. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine support worker just being like with the shaky hands trying to drop it into this tiny little bag 200 times and like there, one copy of Terraforming Mars done. Oh, that poor guy. It's kind of important that you that you, <laughs> you know what your yep. income track is so yeah. each of these is basically uh, an income for a bunch of different things right yep. you've got your m- actual money yeah you've got steel you've got what are the stars again titanium, titanium. okay uh your leaves yeah your trees i guess yeah uh your power and your heat energy energy and heat okay. energy and heat so six things that you're tracking with a cube yeah and lord help you don't. if you are <laughs> don't sneeze yeah, on a, pl- a mat that does not have any way of containing yeah. your cube. So that's your player mat. Then the board itself is lovely. It's got yeah. Mars in the middle. I would hope so. With a grid <laughs> front and center. <laughs> yeah. As you would hope. Yep. Uh, with a bunch of hexes on top of it. And then you have the track, the scoring track around the side. Yep. It's called terraforming rating. Yeah. It's your victory points? Yep. It's victory points. Yeah, it's terraforming rating during the game, and then it turns into victory points at the end. True. Uh, you have a few meters on the board. You've got the temperature meter, which is a giant... Thermometer. Mm-hmm. Beautifully colored from blue to red, so you know if it's cold or hot, which is especially helpful for we Americans who use Fahrenheit. <laughs> yeah, how cold instead is... Instead of Celsius. How cold is four degrees Celsius? <laughs> I don't know. Well, it looks like it might be warm. Yeah, according actually. to this. A little yeah. bit warm. Six degrees Celsius is apparently scorching hot. <laughs> totally accurate. No idea. <laughs> and then you have the oxygen percent, Yeah. Uh, which is going from zero because we're just starting to terraform up to what appears to be a nice, healthy, good for humans 14%, 14, I assume. I'm assuming 14%? this is scientifically accurate. Yeah, I'm not a, an oxygen scientist, so I don't really know. But I'm <laughs> assuming you know that this is a... A really in-depth, painstakingly researched simulation that fourteen uh, percent oxygen is probably okay. <laughs> You've got a couple of Mars's moons yep. off to one side. You've got a stack of ocean tiles, or a place to place a stack of ocean tiles, and then you have a conversion chart where you can spend money to do different things, telling you what you can do. Yeah. And then at the bottom, you have milestones and awards, which Paul will tell you about. But there's uh, five different categories of things. And they relate to different things you'll be doing in the game and can claim some milestones. And? And awards. Yep. Those are both good. They both give you points. That's my first impression. Did I miss anything? No. These, what are these big old stacks of cards here? Let's talk about these cards a little bit. Oh, boy. Yeah. There's uh, groups of cards. You got green cards, blue cards, and uh, red cards. 
So red cards are events. Yep. One time, you know, air horn. <laughs> fear, fear, fear. Yes. Play, do the events. And something happens. Yep. And then the card kind of just, I would say it goes away, but it doesn't really go away. You kind of put it off to the side because cards that you play come in handy later to, to reference, which you'll see in a bit. Yep. You also have those green ones. Yep. The green ones, oh, they can do so many different things. Yeah. But they are also one-time actions. And then these blue ones. These blue ones are pretty cool. These are typically persistent effects, mm-hmm. things that, that linger, that stick around. For the rest of the game, your cards that you play are cheaper. Or for the rest of the game, you can spend a turn to do a thing. Those don't really get like thrown off to the side like the other two cards do. Yeah. And to kind of set the stage here. Yeah. Nothing really gets thrown off to this. I mean, literally, you could put it to the side. Yeah. But it does remain important to know what you've played because yeah. all of these cards have some symbols, or almost all of them. There almost are a couple of, of exceptions, but yeah. most all of the cards have some symbols in the upper right that you will have to be also keeping track of <laughs> yep. for effects on other cards yeah. or for the aforementioned awards in the end. It's a lot. It's a lot. But we're here to make sense of all of it. And give you an idea about how this whole game works. So Mars, in the the middle of the map there, is this honeycomb of hexes. And it starts out completely empty. Devoid of all stuff. Uh, But on Mars, you've got this kind of belt of, of areas that are shaded kind of a light blue. To show that that is potentially where ocean tiles can go. And then scattered about all the different hexes... Uh, are going to be varying amounts of little icons of plants, maybe icons of titanium or icons of steel and icons of cards. Uh, So anytime you put a tile on those spots, you'll get that one-time bonus. Oh, I put this tile here on this spot and it had uh, a couple of pictures of a couple of cards on there. That means I get to draw two cards or a picture of a couple of plants. Oh, great, I get to take two plants. What are plants? We'll get to that. But the idea is that Stuff you do on your turn is ultimately going to end up, if you're playing the game well enough, with a lot of your stuff on the planet, but maybe a lot of other people's stuff on the planet too. And you're all working together, but competitively, to terraform the planet. And the winner will be the person who has terraformed the planet the best or has contributed the most to terraforming the planet. So as an aside... yeah. I do think it would be possible to win this game without doing much terraforming. (laughs) And I only feel the need to mention that because of our friend Mark, who likes to play not the way (laughs) the game should be played. Terraforming Mars, huh? (laughs) Nah. I'm not going to terraform anything. I'm going to play collecting cards. That's the game I'm playing. I'm going to play gathering animals. (laughs) So... I had, in this particular game that we just played, I had three quarters of the terraforming on the planet. I suppose that's true. I just put down a couple of cities and like a greenery or two, and that was my contribution. And you still wound up only a few points behind me. Yeah. 5% of points behind me. Yeah. Very close game. I suppose that's not so bad. So yeah, you've got Mars here in the middle where everyone, in theory, will be uh, dropping down tiles and putting their cubes on them to show uh, ownership. But how you get those, those tiles on there is all through these cards. Uh, there are so many cards, and, and I, I, would just, I, would, I would not even try to describe even a fraction of these cards of what they do, uh, other than just to tell you that they all involve uh, paying some kind of resource, typically money, in order to put into play. 
and then they'll have some kind of effect like pay this much money to play this card that comes into effect and it allows you to increase your energy production by two or it allows you to increase your titanium production by two or maybe it's a one-time effect that will uh, allow you to raise the temperature of the planet a couple of notches and maybe allows you to also put down a greenery or something like that some kind of combination of that stuff and and the reason you're going to play all these cards is to start building this engine of yours it's a terraforming engine i'm kind of doing this i was just gonna say dear listener oh yeah paul is doing his engine dance this engine which dance. can <laughs> only be described as sultry much different than the plague free dance it is very different from the plague free <laughs> dance, which no one would ever describe as sultry <laughs> And I know I'm, I'm speaking very loosely here, but there really are 208 unique cards in this deck. And it's hard to really, to really pin down too specifically what each of those cards is going to do for you. But the way a typical round will play out is at the top of the round, uh, you kind of move the little start player icon to the next person. And then everyone is going to get a chance to look at four cards from the top of the deck. One, two, three, four. And the ones you keep, you got to pay three money for. Uh, So if I keep two of them, that's six money right out of my bank account. Uh, Now that money you get uh, is going to come to you at the start of the game. Uh, Everyone's going to get some money at the start of the game. You'll get differing amounts and stuff if you choose to play with with the special asymmetric corporations. Yep. That also comes with some extra special powers or maybe some extra weaknesses or something. But everyone's going to start with at least some kind of money. And they're going to get the opportunity to pay for the cards that they want. And then uh, when the top of the round comes around again, they have to pay for the cards that they want to draw. Don't pay for cards you don't think you're going to be able to use because those are some dead weight. That is just literally wasted money if you never get around to using them. Yep. Uh, Then after everyone has chosen the cards that they want, we then move on to the actual gameplay. And gameplay is pretty simple. When it's your turn, you either do one action or you do two actions or you pass Uh, if you pass without doing anything you're done for the generation Uh, don't do that unless you are actually honest and truly done so actions can be a variety of things all kinds of things playing a card is an action that's one Mm -hmm. taking one of these standard projects that i mentioned before on the board pay some money to do a thing pay some money to put a water tile down pay some money to put a tree tile down etc as an aside those standard projects are like what you can do if you've got nothing in your hand or you really 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 need to put a, a greenery down you'll pay 23 credits to put a greenery down and let me tell you Compared to how you normally get those greenery. It's not down. a good deal. Not a good deal. None of those is a good deal. Don't do those unless you absolutely have to. <laughs> you can trade in your resources. Specifically, if you trade in eight trees, you can yep. place a greenery. Yep. Or if you trade in eight heat, you can raise the temperature. Yeah. You can also take one of those aforementioned blue card recurring actions. Yeah. If I've played a blue card in front of me in a previous turn and now I want to actually do it. Then I, I take one of my little player cubes and put it on the card to remind myself that I've done it and then do it. Because you can only do it once per round. Yes. They're usually pretty good things. Yeah. And then you can also pay to claim a milestone. Yeah. Or an award. Mm-hmm. Or pay to, it's not claiming an award. Funding. Funding, Funding an, an award. award. There you go. Yeah. Which are end game points. So it's yeah. kind of like 
paying to say, I think I'm going to do well in this category, yeah. but you're also tipping your hand like now everybody else knows that category is going to get scored at the end of the game, so they may also want to go for it. Yeah, milestones, on the other hand, are things you claim once you've actually done it. I've put out three greeneries on the planet, and that's one of the milestones, and so I'm going to pay some money to claim that milestone. That's going to be five points at the end of the game. There's five available milestones, but only three can get claimed over the course of the game. So it's a little bit of like a mini race in the first half of the game to kind of get to that. Mm -hmm. And same with the awards. There's five, but only three can actually be funded. So I think that's it. Did we cover everything? Yes, we covered everything. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. And those are the actions you can do on your turn. And then you just go around the table, everyone doing actions, doing actions, doing actions, until everyone has passed. Uh, once everyone has passed, there's, there's, I'm going to do one action and pass, but then it can come back to you and you can continue to do stuff if you want. But if you're a pass without doing an action, we call that the hard pass uh, or, the, or the big P pass. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, once you've done the hard pass, you're done. You, you can't come back to you anymore. It's, it's, you just have to sit there and watch everyone else take their turn. <laughs> and once everyone has hard passed, then we do some production. Any of your resources where you have income, uh, you're going to generate that stuff. And that's it. We just go on to the next generation, which is start start marker over and we draw those cards and pay for them if you want. So easy. Yeah, super easy. This game actually, the, the, the turn structure is really easy and really straightforward. Where the game gets you is just all the different stuff that is available for you to do. Yes. Yeah. In fact, this is one of the things I love and hate about this game. Yeah. Every card is different. Paul mentioned that. Yep. 208 cards. They're all different. Yep. Every card has its own cost, symbols, benefit, penalty, yeah. possible endgame points. Yep. There's a lot going on on a card. Now, fortunately, every card has a very clear description of what the card does. Yeah. They give you icons and text at the same time to tell you what it does. Yep. So if there's any confusion, this is gonna be accessible to you because you just gotta read the text yeah now that does not change the fact that you have a lot to take in especially at the beginning of the game when you start with 10 cards yeah. you have to decide what you want to keep what's my strategy going to be looking at 10 cards and the corporation that maybe i started with put it all together see what i can get a good foothold with yep and then the four that you get every turn yep and your idea about how your strategy will be is probably going to shift over the course of the game at least a little bit yeah. based on you just not getting the cards that you need because there is such a variety <laughs> of cards. Yeah. If you expect that you're going to have a strategy built around collecting animals, yeah. but you don't get any animal cards yep. or any of the... <laughs> I thought I was going to be a titanium baron, but uh, no comets are coming our way. Right. I'm sitting here. I've got this super discount on every card that has a planet Earth on it, but I'm not getting any planet Earth cards to play. This yeah. kind of thing. So... Yep. You do have to be a little bit adaptable. Yeah, I got to be able to shift gears, right? Mm -hmm. Eventually, oxygen is going to be all the way up. Temperature is going to be all the way up. And all the ocean tiles will be out. Sounds like there's nothing more to do. Nope, that is it. You have terraformed Mars. Uh, and once that's done, then the current round finishes out. Everyone gets to do their production like normal. And then everyone gets one last chance to convert their plants into these greenery tiles, putting them you know, where they would normally put them. And that's it. You count up all the stuff on the board, you count up the milestones, you count up the points from the awards, and you count up all the points generated by the cards you had played this whole time. 
and and that's it. The game is over. Whoever has the most points has has terraformed Mars the best. They are the terraformingest. Whew. It's a it's a it's a big beefy engine builder. There's a lot of cards. I'm I'm holding this thick stack here. I would call this. I, I don't even yeah, those were just the cards that you played, and this is my stack. Yeah, also pretty thick. Yeah, it, it's it's about the width of my thumbnail here. This stack of cards, I would say. Uh, that's that's what I ended up playing over the course of the game. There's a reason this game comes with 208 cards. You're gonna play a lot of them. You're also going to discard a lot of them. So yeah. you will go through. <laughs> yeah, the whole almost the whole deck. A good portion of the deck. Yep. yep. And that's just with two players. With four players, you'd go through it even more. Um, you, you definitely get to experience a variety of, of cards that you can choose to put down. Uh, games are probably not going to feel too samey, uh, early on, like your first, you know, your first 10 or 15 plays, because there's just so many cards that the variety and the order in which you'll be seeing them will definitely make it feel like a different game every time. Uh, you and I are have played this game enough now to where we're starting to kind of see the same stuff and 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 predict the same engines that we're gonna build. Right. Like I know when you saw that I got a couple of those animal cards specifically, yeah. and also the cards that let me put animals on other cards. You were like, yeah. "Oh, it's uh, happening! Here yep. it comes! Here comes perpetual animal machine! <laughs> Here we go!" Uh, but fortunately, we have all kinds of expansions that we can stick on here. From the little tiny prelude expansion that just throws in a bunch of uh, cards that you can put down at the beginning of the game to uh, the Venus expansion that has this extra Venus board. Uh, There's a a map that is an entire other planet that you could terraform uh, and something called Turmoil. And I, I, I think Turmoil is where these deluxe expansion boards come into play. Uh, And there's also colonies that you can go float out into space and colonize. You could just turn this game into a real, real beast. Uh, and you know, maybe we'll build up to that. We're just like, oh, great. Saturday morning, what do you want to do? Let's play Terraforming Mars all weekend. <laughs> sure. <laughs> we have gotten to the point where it plays a bit more quickly now because we have so much familiarity with it. Yeah. Except for, should we just go into our thoughts and feelings? Yeah, let's keep it going. Except for the end game. Yeah. The end game just grinds to a halt. It really does. It, it Well, f- for some people more than others. For me, it does not because that's usually when my engine runs out of gas. Uh, Laura, however, <laughs> I'll pass. I'll hard pass. And Laura will just take like eight more turns. Well, hold on. Oh. So here's, here's the thing. Okay. And I don't think it's just me. I think a lot of people would experience this where... Going into the last round, you you have a good sense that it's going to be the last one, either yep. because you know you can tip the scale or it's so close. You're like, uh, you know, my opponent will probably tip the scale. Yeah. So when you're in the last one, I, and I don't think I'm alone in this, really hem and haw about the best way to squeeze every <laughs> point from this fruit. Yeah. So you know, I'll look through all my cards. I'll figure out what I can reasonably afford and I will try to spend all of my money if possible. I will get rid of whatever I can on my resource board to make sure that I've converted it into points if possible. And one of the things you can do in these standard projects is turn in cards that you're not going to play and get a dollar for each one. Now, this is obviously a terrible exchange rate. You paid three (laughs) for each one. Yep. So you really only do it if you need those couple of bucks or if there's really nothing you can do with that card, but it can make more possibilities in the end game. Plus, 
at that point in the game, everyone's income is so high or not. I mean, I'm sure that there are people who play who don't go to town with the income track. But yeah. at the very least, you're terraforming Mars. So you're going up the TR track. So you're making more money. And yeah. you can have so much money in the end game that you really can play most of your cards. And order is important because you have to count symbols on things. Yep. So maybe you want to drop a few more cards that have that steel symbol so that you can play this other card that lets you buff something based on the number of steel symbols that you have down, etc., etc., etc. So there's a lot to take in. And... For me yeah. and for people like me, <laughs> you want to get it right. <laughs> you want to know that you did the best you possibly could with what you had left and that you exhausted your options. Now, for me <laughs> and, and people, people like, you, like me, <laughs> you don't care because you know it doesn't matter because I play these kinds of games uh, because I really like just building the machine. And experimenting with it. I am under no illusions that I'm ever going to win a game like this. You know, you and I, we got a little competitive uh, that time we just played a bunch of it over the course of a week. Oh, yeah. That time also, side note, <laughs> Paul, the rule we had was that Paul could pull the ripcord anytime he just wasn't feeling it was working out for him this round. So we, yeah. we had so many games that we just started. And as soon as, you know, a part of an engine would come together, Paul's like, eh, nope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it applied to both of us, but most of the time I would see those animal cards come out for you, which I would never get, but I would see those animal cards come out for you and I'd say, oh, well, <laughs> there's 15 turns left in the game and that's going to be 30 points for her right there. You had a pretty good microbe uh, engine going in one true. of those games, as I recall. I did have that. You know, hopefully if you play enough games with someone, you kind of do have a little bit of a rule, like like a mercy rule where it's just like, it's obvious I am not in this game and you know, we could stick it out for the next two hours if you really wanted to, to get your machine going and really just, just stick it. But, but most of the time we're able to, to, you know, have an agreement that like, yeah, no, it's pretty obvious that Paul has lost this one next time. But aside from yeah. that, yeah, all of the rest of the game, now that we know how to play it and we're very comfortable with the symbols yeah. does go pretty quickly yeah and we love it we, we just do love it so much we really really enjoy this game a lot even though I, I do feel like i'm a little outclassed when it comes to engine builders in general it's it's still an enjoyable enough experience you know fun to lose is you know we played this game and i was pretty sure i was gonna lose uh but and i, I did i lost by five points out of my 106 to his 101. Yeah. I don't, that is not a dramatic win for it me. It is not. It, it, yeah. It's de It's probably the closest loss I think I've ever had to you. And I think it was very satisfying. Yeah. Two players, this is a very good two-player game, I think. It does. It works well. Yeah. And we've got all kinds of content out there uh, to explore. All kinds of other planets to terraform as well. Terraforming Venus. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> Literally, don't think Venus has... A surface you can walk on. Oh, there's probably something you could like mix with that gas to make it solidify. Maybe it could turn into an ice planet. Yeah, a quick dry cement. Just yeah. dump a big bag of quick dry <laughs> cement into Venus. Surely nothing could go wrong. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going to continue to terraform Mars on and on and on and on. This is, this is definitely a keeper in our collection. And if you, dear listener, have never tried it, there's you know digital apps out there. Give it a try see if you like it, and then try to track down a copy. There's so many floating around out there. 
that you could get this game for a decent price and even probably even a couple of expansions from people who've probably played it a lot and just are like, yeah, I'm ready to move on. Uh, but we've got so much content that we're not we're not going anywhere. We're we're setting up camp here on Mars. Beachfront property right here. Laura, I'm going to need your help. With what? I need you Mm -hmm. to help me down here in the basement. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, yes. We have 47,164 emails. Why do we have to go to the basement? Because I printed (laughs) each and every one of them out for posterity. Oh, dear. So that we can really just go over each of them with a fine tooth comb. Uh, that's like so much ink and paper. Yeah, but it's all recyclable. It just goes. What they do is they is they they mulch it all up and they just put it right back in the ground and a tree comes out. That's what I've been told. <laughs> how recycling works. <laughs> is that maybe not nailed it? Yeah. Okay, so we're going down in the basement. Yeah, to look at this enormous stack of emails that you've printed out. Yeah. Here, come on down with me. All right. So here we are down in the basement. You haven't been down here in a while. It's 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 seen better days. Help me get this bag up. Hold on. <laughs> Woo! That's a a big heavy bag. Uh, it looked really heavy. I'm I'm sorry that you know. I'm sorry you had to be the one to carry it, but you know I wasn't wearing my shoes, and you know those stairs can be treacherous, and you wouldn't want me to tumble down those stairs. Paul. What I really don't understand is why you brought everything down to the basement in the first place, considering the printer's on the second floor. <laughs> Look, don't question my, my workflow, okay? It works for me. <laughs> but here we are. 47,164 emails printed right here on our table. Make sure to not move them either to the left or the right, because they are sitting directly on the load-bearing column. It's like the leaning tower of paper right now. <laughs> Very treacherous. Keep our daughter away. <laughs> <laughs> this is our mailbag segment. We've never done anything like this before. Uh, maybe next time I won't print each and every email out. But what we're going to do here, we're going to keep it loose. We're going to we're gonna kind of just, we're shooting from the hip here. I've got uh, a screech owl brew right here. A little pint glass. A bit, not a little pint glass. It holds exactly one pint. That'd be amazing if it were a little glass that could still hold a pint. What have you got over there? Um, ooh, what am I drinking? What is this? We're both drinking craft brews, everybody. We yes. are so classy. Yeah. Um, this is UFO's main blueberry. It does taste like blueberry. Does it have any in the can? Oh, yes. Do you want me to like... No, not beer in the can. Does it have any blueberries in the can? Oh, what? No. You've never had blueberries in your beer? Is that a thing? Oh, yeah. Shout out to Tides in Nahant, Massachusetts. They gave me a blueberry beer with blueberries in it. It was delicious. But enough about craft beer. This isn't the beer podcast. There, nope. Do you think there's a podcast called The Beer Podcast? There is 100% a craft <laughs> beer podcast. Called The Beer Podcast. But that's not us. We are a board game podcast. No blueberries to be found here. But instead, 47,164 emails. <sighs> we have gone to great pains to divide them into exactly two categories. Games that we have. Yep. And games that we don't have. Yes. And and nothing <laughs> in between. 
<laughs> no Schrodinger's games here where we don't know if we have them until we play them. Let's start with uh, requests for the games that we have. We'll just we'll just run down this list. Yeah. I would really like to point out that we had not one, uh-huh. but two requests for a review of the GIF series. Yeah. Uh, James says, uh, saw in your collection that you have a copy of GIF and others in that series, which is your favorite. Why do you think they're good games? Or do you even like them? <laughs> I feel like abstract games don't get enough credit in the hobby, so I'd love it if you could cover these so as to correct this egregious error. Uh-huh. And six minutes later, Graham said, yeah. I noticed you owned many games of the GIF series of games. All of the games of the GIF series. Well, he said many. Oh, that's true. We technically own many of them now. One of We're them, down one. Yeah. We, one of them we got rid of. And would love to know more about those games and your thoughts. So, James and Graham, first of all, you emailed six minutes apart. So I'm going to yeah. guess that if we were to look at the IP address yeah. that this request came Who from. Who is this Graham and why is he <laughs> never in the same room as James? Right. But if you're not already the same person and or friends, yeah. then you should be. This is where I have my little wooden figure of James and wooden figure of Graham. And I'm going, now kiss. <laughs> yes. This is the new matchmaker segment. Yep. This is this is a now a matchmaker podcast. Exactly. Yeah. Plenty of chits in the sea. Oh, that's so good. Yep. You heard it here first, folks. Does that exist? That's no. so good. It's probably, it does now. I Ooh. bet we willed it into existence. Love it. On the subject of the GIF games. Yeah. Uh, when I first met Paul, yes, they were. I'm gonna even backtrack before that. Oh, when Paul before you met me, yes, there, you didn't exist before you met me. That's not how that works. <laughs> so before I met Paul, okay, uh, Paul had moved from the West Coast, yep, which is where he was, Seattle, baby. Mm-hmm. Back in his uh, YouTube pointing. days, my my yes, back in my YouTube days, mm-hmm. sure. And he decided to drive all of the way across the country to the opposite seaboard over here to Boston. So in his infinite wisdom, Toyota Prius. Oh, we went very different directions with that. <laughs> he packed all of his necessary worldly <laughs> possessions. Do, do we need a list? Into this Toyota Prius. Yeah. And I don't know for sure because I didn't see what the car looked like when you unpacked it. But Oh, packed to the gills. I, I had no rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what percentage of the car was full of board games. <laughs> but based on the number of board games that you had when I met you, yeah. I'm guessing that it was probably 50% or maybe higher. Yeah, that, that seems about right. The car was about half full of board games. Yeah. yeah. And you kept all of the GIF games. It did. They're mm-hmm. still sitting right there. I remember playing some of those very early on with you. Yeah. And I am a product of uh, a childhood that did have games introduced, including Othello was a big one that I played with my brother and my yeah. dad. Yep. So definitely I am no stranger to abstract strategy games, but there are some really infuriating ones in that <laughs> collection. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to say this. So, Oh, are we reviewing them right now? No, no, okay. no, we're not. But but specifically for James and Graham, I would like for you both to know that we absolutely will yes. review. Oh, we have a plan. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to review all of them. In fact, we thought we might do that now. Like, hey, let's just pull them down and we'll just go through, like, start at the beginning and, yeah. and rattle through them. We pulled out the first one. <laughs> Is that GIF? Yeah. Yep. And Paul 
whooped me so bad <laughs> so many times in a row. Oh, it feels good to win sometimes. Oh, God. Yeah. That I I just couldn't. Like, I couldn't even <laughs> proceed to the next one. And then he was kind and said, well, I played this against an AI a bunch to get better at it, which yeah. made me feel a little bit better. But still, like, as somebody who, A, likes to win, and B, <laughs> I felt like I grew up playing this kind of game. Yeah. These blow my mind yeah They're you get so to different. experience that feeling six more times so <laughs> buckle so, in yeah seriously <laughs> we'll get around to it thanks yes. for the idea yep uh onward here we go john has suggested um a vladimir suchi episode i think that is how you pronounce it vladimir suchi uh since we have underwater cities and pulsar 2849 we will definitely review those yep those are those are coming up i don't know when but yeah we'll definitely be covering those at some point yeah and he also says and i quote oh feel free to pick up any others you don't have to give him the full treatment <laughs> it is trust me john it is a battle to not pick up games just to <laughs> review them but he gave us permission if feel you, free if you listen to episode eight <laughs> Half of those games we bought so that we could review to, to fit our, our little eight theme that we uh, had going on there. Not half, but some. Yeah. Some. Uh, Scott suggests an episode based on some of the new trick-taking games out there, like Cat in the Box, Faux Diamonds, and Ghosts of Christmas. We love trick takers. Yeah. And we tend to buy the new ones whenever they come out. Yeah. Uh, I grew up playing 42, which is a domino trick taker. If you're familiar we'll cover with that. that at some point, that game's yeah. great. You, your family taught it to me and I think it's great. And we've taught it to people. Yeah. So that I definitely think that, that the whole genre is appealing to me and we will definitely have a trick taking game review. Thank you for the suggestion. Yeah. Scott says these games seem to be having a moment, but I feel like I don't need all of them. Wrong. Uh, I think I think you are sorely mistaken. <laughs> Maybe not all of them, but like you know, how many digits of precision do you need? Ninety nine point nine 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 percent. You don't need both Wizard and Skull King. <laughs> They're effectively the same game. Todd would like quote another Kinesia game on the podcast. Another another one. <laughs> right, Todd. Whoa. Yeah. It would be literally impossible for us not to. Yeah, we have a lot of Kinesia games. Yep. And, and definitely plenty left to cover. We've got Raw. We've got uh, Medici uh, Battleline. Kind of already covered that in our Shot and Totten review. Uh, Modern Art. Done. Yep, both. Yeah. Uh, Traum Fabric, a.k.a. Dream Factory, a.k.a. the Reiner Kinesia movie game, because they just... They just every few years just release it with a new theme. I think it's coming out soon now with like a monster movie theme where you could put Frankenstein and Dracula together as they beat up the Wolfman or something like that. Um, I, I played it back then, back in the day, when it had like those fake celebrities like Tom Honks and, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Bill Cruz. Uh, you know, whatever. It was okay. High Society. Laura loved that one. No. <laughs> oh, sorry. I got, I got that confused with games you loved. It just always run out of money. Yeah, that's literally the point of the game. Maybe you were just bad at it. Yeah, well, <laughs> or very good at it. Very yeah. good. At, I mean, very good at losing all my money. Uh, through the desert. It's like multiplayer go. I think is is what I've heard it referred to as. I've never actually played it myself. Uh, but yes, we have plenty of Kinesia games uh, still on the shelf, ready to be covered. Uh, a lot of good classics in there. A lot of games that probably aren't going anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They'll be peppered throughout, I promise you. If they do go anywhere, it will be because I'm getting a newer version. 
Uh, Susan took a different approach and yep. suggested not a game, but a topic expansion. She uh, says, oh boy. Oh, yeah. Are they worth it when sometimes they cost almost as much as the original game? Yeah. In the age of cult of the new, shouldn't the money be spent on a new game, especially if someone is new to the hobby? I want to know your thoughts on this and when slash why you guys decide to buy an expansion. Oh, that's a very good question. Oh, such a good question. Very simple answer. Uh, Lately, all the time. Paul (laughs) buys all the expansions. I go back and forth. I think right now I'm in the buy all the expansions because I think ideally our collection will be ultimately pared down to a much more potent uh, collection of games that that deliver individual unique experiences and then you can dig down to add more to those rather than this amazing breadth of 35 worker placement games or or 16 deck builders yeah there was uh, a time recently susan when my husband surprised me (laughs) (laughs) surprised surprised myself actually (laughs) with all of the Dominion expansions. Now, I love Dominion. Yeah. And I came into this relationship <laughs> with a few selected Dominion expansions. Do you love it when it's stacked taller than you are? Because Well, that, now I know. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so the Dominion expansions, we, we actually, on the subject, Susan, we have uh, a closet upstairs yep. that is devoted only to expansions. Yep. So our, our main game shelf downstairs and the backup that we're <laughs> the shelf of opportunity the shelf of opportunity yes, shout out to you. panda angel for for <laughs> for coining that phrase for me uh so those don't include those shelves do not include any of the expansions the expansions are banished to this closet upstairs uh where if we want to dig into as paul mentioned a game we could bring down several more boxes to impress our company with. <laughs> well, now I've been surreptitious a little bit and I've folded some expansions into boxes downstairs. So our expansion closet is not nearly as beefy as it was before, but we do have like all of Vast up there and we do have all of Root, uh, all of Dominion, all of Anachrony, all of Tricarian. <laughs> when Everdell gets here, guess where that's going? <laughs> So I think to reinforce Susan's point, yeah. we have not always done a great job of reviewing the expansions that we have in conjunction with the game. That's not a bad idea for an episode, actually. It's yeah. a little more niche. Uh, you know, only listen to this episode if you own these games already. But they're not bad. Not yeah, bad, Susan. it's a great idea. Thank yeah. you. So then we also got, gosh, a, a couple of requests for Boone Lake. Yeah. And a couple of suggestions for a full Alexander Fister episode. Now, the thing about Boone Lake, we, we have it over here on our shelf, on our temp, on our incoming shelf. And Boone Lake is ostensibly about uh, heading out to this lake and making a new, better life for yourself. But the weird thing is the font, the Boone Lake font looks like it has like circuit board printing on it. And I don't know what's going on with that font. I don't know if this is a game secretly about like, is Boone Lake really like the Matrix? Is it a simulation? <laughs> I don't know. I'm looking forward to figuring out uh, what's going on with that. And and yeah, we've got a big Alexander Fister episode coming. Don't worry about that. For sure. Yeah. Also a request to review Root. Oh, yep. That's coming. Definitely. <laughs> and Kevin, it's pronounced Whirly. Whirly. Yeah. Literally, I think the company is, uh, his company is Whirly Gig Games. And I think that's his Twitter handle too, is Whirly Gig. Now you know. Now you know. Then we've got, let's see, Beyond the Sun Request. Yep. Targi. Okay. Brian Baru. Yep. 
Castles of Mad King Ludwig. Yeah. A couple of people asked for Spirit Island. Okay. Um, yep. And just co-op games in general. Well, we have plenty of expansions for Spirit Island, too. <laughs> <laughs> and we got paint the roses oh we do yeah we got that's coming up we got a kickstarter roundup episode mm-hmm. uh, that we're that we've got uh working on right now and uh, also request then for a, a co-op themed episode although i'm not sure if we have do we have enough co-op games to do that i think we do i think we can find some if not you know game nerds <laughs> there's nerds always days. buying more games <laughs> just for an episode nerds days coming up <laughs> watch out wallet uh let's see kingdom builder yep so we, yeah, we have the big box. Yeah, I guess we're kind of pre-reviewing that by indicating that we have the big box. But not yeah. necessarily. It was cheap. <laughs> it was cheap, so I bought it. That's true. Paul does literally buy games that we've already passed on. Yeah, just because they're inexpensive. I'm looking at you, Umbravia. Umbravia. Yeah, we will get to you. Oh, and uh, Joni wants a comparison of Kingdom Builder to Winter Kingdom, which unfortunately we don't have. I can tell you this. Uh, Kingdom Builder had a whole slew of expansions. Winter Kingdom, so far, kind of a little bit of a crickets there. So I wonder if it might not have been the big success that uh, Queen Games was hoping for. And Jerry asked for some Mind Clash games like Anachrony and Shakarion. Well, oh yeah, we have both of those. Yep. Uh, and boy, that would be a that would be a beefy episode for sure. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Welcome to our episode where we review two games. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but specifically, he actually mentioned Cerebria, which we don't have. Yeah, Cerebria, I, you know, I'm, I am I looked at it. It just the board looks like a mess. It just looks like a mess of a game. And it, it doesn't really interest me too much. Uh, not, not too keen on the theme or at least the way they present it. So uh, I politely declined to pick that one up. Jerry also says he just got into the hobby late last year. Yep. And it, he's already going for the chonky ones. Whoa, really? That's like... Uh... <laughs> That's like going in and sitting down at the steak eating contest and just being like, you know what? I'll just start with the old 96er. And and they <laughs> drop that on your plate. And despite only ever maybe eating a hamburger every now and then. So, you know, good luck and Godspeed, Jerry. Yeah, a tip of the hat for sure. Yes. And then we have a bunch of requests for games that we don't have. Okay, yeah. So Sharon suggested Dawn of the Zeds and Fallen Land by Fallen Dominion Studios. I I not don't know anything about those. Yeah, so we're going to check them out. Okay. Always love hearing about new games. Yes. Thank you, Sharon. Yes. And I was not familiar with, uh-oh, I'm going to say it wrong. Yep. Zuloretto. Zuloretto. Yeah. Okay, not Zuletto. Nope. Got there's it. An, not Zoolander either. No, definitely not. <laughs> it's not a game for ants. So uh, Dale said he made a crucial rules mistake that removed all the strategy and that it did not go over well with his gaming partners. Oh, I, I mean, I probably know what it was. You probably flipped the board uh, at the wrong moment of the game and it probably just ruined it for everybody. You need, if you're going to flip the board, it's got to be the right time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely it. Yes. But honestly, uh, Dale, like we've all had that experience. Oh, man, if I'd had more time to think about this, uh, we, yeah, we've had all kinds of times where it's been, Oh, you know what? Turns out, you only get one action on your turn and not three or something like that. Well, recently we had a, a rather grievous oversight yeah. in the, uh, our playing of a game, uh, Tabanusi. Yeah. In fact, 
the entire first couple times we played Tabanusi, <laughs> yeah. we yeah. had a similar problem. So Dale, we get it. Like the first time we played Tabanusi, we thought it was broken because yeah. we played it through with rules that if it hadn't been just you oh, and me, yeah. Paul, yeah. we would have definitely made any other people miserable playing with us. Yeah, it was uh, uh, when when a, when one of the five regions runs out of dice. We had just been like repopulating all the regions with dice instead of just that region. It dragged the game <laughs> out to the point where we had nothing left to do at the end. But the ultimate irony is yeah. that even after we fixed that issue and played yeah. it with other friends, we played like three or four more times, yeah. and we said we've got this game down. We know we know enough now to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we still missed a <laughs> yeah. rule point, which is that you can spend one of your gold resources to choose which location you want to go to, which totally solves the problem of yeah. getting stuck in a location it's ugh, it changes the whole game so we're gonna have to play it again yeah so this this last uh two minutes here is only really mattered to people who know how tabanusi plays or has listened to our tabanusi episode but yes it was mind-blowing that that you could spend a gold to move somewhere else rather than just say well i guess i'm going to you know, Brown Town over there, and I'm going to get stuck there because all the dice I would pick up there just lead back to Brown Town. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> so we had a couple of suggestions for Battlestar Galactica, and uh, all I can say is we wish. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, if I had a time machine, that's one of the things I would do is I would go back in time and just kick down the door as I'm about to trade Battlestar Galactica to somebody for something. I don't even remember what it was. I would go, no. <laughs> so, I wouldn't even be in slow motion. That's how I would say it. Yeah. So Paul gets really emotional about time travel movies because he, he likes thinking <laughs> about like alternate timelines and yeah. decisions that you could have made that could have been elsewise. And I'm pretty certain that they all center on... <laughs> the games that I shouldn't have gotten rid of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yes, Battlestar definitely is a game that I should not have traded away. Right up there with StarCraft, the board game. I should have kept that one too. Uh, fortunately, uh, Battlestar is back with a Cthulhu theme. We all know how we feel about Cthulhu themes around here. Um, no, can we, uh. can we, yeah, can we not? But if it's the same game and you can stomach the fact that it's yet another tentacly mouthed eldritch horror, uh, then, then unfathomable from what I understand is, is pretty close to, to Battlestar Galactica. And Riley specifically asked for a Hidden Trader game episode. So great idea. Uh, he mentioned specifically the Thing Infection, Outpost 31, and Dark Moon. Okay. Some yeah. of those are new to us. So thanks again for pointing us towards something we have not any familiarity with. But also ask some really good questions. Okay. What do we got? Who does what best? Oh. Which one reigns supreme, capitalized? Yeah, sure. And does that correlate to a specific thing the game does best or is it just more well-rounded on the topic of games that i should not have gotten rid of i also owned shadows over camelot at one point which i think is an excellent hidden trader game uh that nobody has really managed to top i don't think uh and i wish who boy <laughs> uh i wish i hadn't gotten rid of that one too that that's a that was a, a pretty solid one um which one reigns supreme I don't know. I haven't played all of them yet. Uh, I'm really bad at them. Uh, that's why I like ones that take short periods of time, short amounts of time to play, like Weirwords or Crossfire, where they just come and go, and, and you're done, and you get to laugh and try it again. Uh, stay away from One Night Ultimate Werewolf. Wait, no. Tell them the story oh. about 
that time that you played Battlestar Galactica at PAX. Oh, <laughs> okay. All right. So I I remember uh, I felt like I was pretty decent at Battlestar. I felt like I kind of knew some strategies. And uh, I I can't remember if I was putting t- together people for a game or this, this other person was putting people together. I think this other person was doing it. Uh, and, and I walk up with my friend who was at PAX with me that day. I was like, yeah, I know how to play Battlestar Galactica. Let's, uh, let's do it. And, and he says, are you, are you sure? Cause like I play a pretty, a, a pretty intense game. I said, okay, <laughs> fine. Yeah, no problem. I don't know what that means. You nerd. So we sit down and we start playing. And if anyone here who's listening has ever played Battlestar Galactica, you'll know that, uh, that, you know, one person is the Cylon typically, you know, and, and everybody else are humans. Uh, I was the Cylon. And I'm looking at the board, and I'm thinking, okay, I, I you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do something that's just kind of slightly suboptimal right now. And I, I can't even remember the move. And I did it, and the guy, I think, yeah, it was the guy who put the game together, was like, you're the Cylon. Womp, <laughs> yeah, Ooh, me? What? And were you the Cylon, what? Paul? Oh, uh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> I was the Cylon. Oh man, it was a very uncomfortable. I spent the entire game in the brig. That's what <laughs> in Battlestar, you know, someone who's a Cylon, then the then the group can just get together and vote to put you in the brig, and then you're just stuck in the brig for the whole game. I had literally the same experience playing the House on Haunted Hill. Oh, where, yeah. Yep, I was revealed to be the traitor, and I was stuck in the basement, and nobody helped me out of the basement. Yeah. And I spent the rest of the game in the basement. <laughs> just, it was great. If you're bad at them, these games can be not that fun, but you know. Short burst games, like I said, like Crossfire or Werewords, are 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 a fun way to kind of break the ice or get some good conversation going. Then we also got a request for a review of a political game called Nations, a couple of Kickstarters, Puzzle Strike 2 and Flamecraft. Okay, yep. And MJ steered us to Eric Lang's, quote, trilogy. Yeah. Uh we let's see. We used to have Blood Rage. We had Blood Rage. Um, we you know did a big culling before we moved into our our house now, and Blood Rage just didn't make the cut. Um, I I just I had some issues with it, and I just felt like it. it I could get a, a better trade for it because it had all a bunch of bells and whistles. And he also mentioned Ankh, which we yeah. did not back. No, it, I was tempted, sorely tempted, and. Not only were you sorely tempted, but you continue to watch reviews of it now that it's out. Yes. So I am certain that at some point we will play Ankh. We'll, yeah, we probably won't end up owning it, but we'll at least we'll at least try playing it, I think. I'm really intrigued by it. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of hubbub. Yeah. And then uh, Rising Sun as well. Rising Sun uh, is, uh, you know, it's set in Japan, a lot of plastic miniatures, a lot of diplomacy. I think there's a lot of drinking of tea. And uh, and and slicing of your opponents up. He also mentioned Cthulhu Death May Die. Yeah. Which he's heard is Lang's most fun game for people who like campaign style games. Yeah, we don't really get an opportunity to play those kinds of games. It, it, you know, it took us a really long time to get through uh, Gloomhaven. And, and that was four of us. Jaws of the Lion. Jaws of the I mean. Lion. Yeah. It took us a really long time. Uh, and and that was uh, during the pandemic time when no one had anything to do, and we did all of our games online. And even still, we weren't able to get anyone together more frequently than like every couple of weeks. So yeah, I think uh, unfortunately we are 
at a point in life where it is difficult to get a group together regularly, yeah. the same group to continue out through a campaign style game. Although Paul and I have greatly enjoyed playing Gloomhaven together. And whenever the heck Frosthaven <laughs> comes out, we are coming. super excited to dive into that too. Production has just started. Isaac sent out that Kickstarter update. So we're looking forward to probably some time in the fall. Yeah. But unfortunately, uh, as a genre, largely we have to pass on those kinds of games just by virtue of the fact we don't have a consistent game group to play them with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So let's see. Um, Mike sounds like he totally has your number. He's a fan of the minis. Yeah. He says he'd love to hear more about some of the older mini heavy games like World of Warcraft, which I believe you have played, right? Uh, it's, it was a big and it was very big, had a lot of plastic miniatures. We had the Burning Crusade expansion that would go with it, that it had the secondary side map of Outland. I can't remember a lot about it. If I watched a YouTube video, I could remember it. Uh, you know, uh, played a lot of it two-player way back then. Uh, had a really weird combat system with attack dice and defense dice and that kind of thing. You know, it was all right. It was tromp around Azeroth, get some quests, slay some monsters, level your character up, and then eventually the game would end and whoever did the best one. Would you say that it, quote, looks so promising, but is executed so ellipses strangely, end yeah. quote? Yeah, it was it was a weird game. It handled combat in a really weird way. Also, like StarCraft, the board game did, uh, just in, in, a, in a strange way that, that if it was just your standard dice chucker would be unremarkable in every way. Well, then it sounds like you and Mike would agree. Yeah. So uh, we will think of you, Mike, and Joni when we get our all-in revamped Castles of Burgundy. Yep, we backed that. We did not do the sun-dropped miniatures or the big neoprene map, but we did go all-in. Laura, you called it. I did go all-in with the miniatures. I, like, obviously <laughs> you were going to. I know. Bucks. I know. I, I heard that exact retort in my head yeah. as I was trying to convince was you otherwise. Was it that pitch of voice, too? That yes. tone of voice? Oh, just like that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But I'm glad that we could help you guys make the call. Yeah. So uh, we have Welcome to. Yes, we do. But not the follow-ups Welcome to the Moon and Welcome to Las Vegas that Dale asked us to review. Oh, man. Welcome to Las Vegas. It was tempting. Uh, it is. It's a big know, boy. It's more. It's just more, more, more. <laughs> and I, I think there's a limit to how much more you can fit into a roll and write. Welcome to the Moon, however looks neat more in a different way instead of just one super dense roll and write it's like a variety of eight little medium roll and writes which i think is pretty cool yeah and we do really like roll and writes yeah. in general we got a lot of them we do we got the big railroad ink box and uh we you know three sisters and quicks and harvest dice all those games gonchon clever i was just gonna say yeah yeah we like them in this house Jason has suggested Fort, which is no longer in our collection, although we really do love leader games and we are just enamored. Yeah, that was exactly the word I was going to use. Oh, it's like we're soulmates meant to be forever. Uh, by all of Kyle Farron's art. Was that how how you were going to finish the sentence? Most that importantly, is, yep. any, any way you were going to finish it is exactly how okay, I was now. going to. So we really loved the art and theme of fort yeah. for sure yep but you know it just it underwhelmed it you know we're trying to reduce our collection and unfortunately just missed the mark a little bit for a deck builder it's hard to beat dominion it's especially when you have so much dominion that we have and you can get any flavor of it you want 
if you're just starting a game collection and you know you like that kind of style Sure, I'd recommend it to people, but it just wasn't for us. Yeah, and he says it's super underrated and perfect for patio camping summer night fun. Sure. And Don't I will disagree. give you that. Yep. Yeah, it is. It's lighter fare. It's easily accessible. Yeah. It's fun. It's like you said, it's cute. And I can definitely see how hanging out with a bunch of people at night like around a campfire would yep. be a great opportunity for playing. Terrible place to play a card game, though. because like <laughs> one gust of wind and half the game is gone. So uh, take my advice. Don't play a card game around a campfire. And let's see. A couple of other recommendations here. Let's see. Watergate we don't have. We have played. We played it at PAX. Quick thoughts, I guess, is what they want. Quick thoughts. Yeah. So eh. Tug of war. Tug of war where I think we decided it was... It was a little bit unbalanced, right? Yeah. It, it felt really difficult for, I can't remember. Nixon one of the, to win. Nixon, it felt really hard for Nixon to win. it was hard for Nixon, wasn't it? And then one of the sides was really boring. One of the sides was all about putting evidence on a map and, and this kind of stuff. And the other side was just like, I don't know, run out the clock. Done. Yeah. So I think the conclusion that we came away with was if you play the game enough yeah. to know all of the cards in the deck, yeah. it could become more fun because you know the other sort of possibilities out there. You know, yeah. you know what's already been been crossed off and what's still to come. But as new people playing it for the first few times, because we played it two or three times, yeah. it is not satisfying because you can't prepare like that and you don't know what's coming. And it does feel it's an asymmetrical game. It does actually feel unbalanced. And the idea of like memorizing what cards could possibly come out and what cards have already come out, man, that that's a tough sell to me. I'm I'm sure if you look in our, you know, episode history, you'll find some games that are a little bit like that, but typically that's a tough sell for me. And Watergate just didn't cut it. We played it a couple of times. We swapped back and forth and we said, yeah, this is okay. We don't need to buy it. Keep it coming. This is great. Let's see. Vindication. We're told that everyone should know about it. And now we do. I've known about it for a while. I just can't bring myself to pay $90 plus shipping for what really is just like a cube conversion game. Uh, You take this cube and take that cube and turn it into this. Uh, Laura, it's just this cute little, uh, cute is not the right word, but it's got a neat system where you've washed up on shore and you're exploring this island represented abstractly by hexes. I know you like hexes. That's it. do love hexes. Uh, but you move around a hex-based map and there are six resources in the game, but they're like wisdom, intelligence, strength, courage. And if you like combine courage with intelligence, uh, at certain points in the game, then that spits out wisdom. And then you turn in wisdom in order to gain followers. That's really, I just, I watch the reviews and I, that's all it boils down to for me is this just looks like I'm just turning, you know, green cubes and red cubes into orange cubes. And, and that's it. In general, though, I wouldn't say that that's always something you dislike in games. Not for $90 plus shipping, though. I don't know. I, I'm I looking just, at you, Sidereal Confluence. Yeah, but yes. Okay. That true. Uh, but that game is hilarious, uh, <laughs> and I if, if Vindication offered literally begging people for their little <laughs> yellow cubes so that you can feed them in your machine to spit out octagons, uh, then then maybe. But yeah, Vindication, it's just it's a little too much money for what the game appears to be. And then Daniel wants political games and mentioned specifically Shazen. Shazen? Shazen? Shazen, I think, yeah. And Versailles, we don't have those. Yeah, uh, Shazen is some weird, I, I, it shows up on Kickstarter. I think it had a Kickstarter and then didn't successfully get funded. And then it launched again. 
It showed up again. It looks like some weird area control game or something, like really abstract, but with weird political icebreaker questions in there, like, you know, uh, do you feel that life begins at conception? And you're just like, wait, what? Why? Am I playing a game? <laughs> Am I playing a game right now? <laughs> Oof. Do you feel that gay people should exist? Wait, what? Okay, maybe not that question. But, you know, these weird pointed philosophical political questions mixed in with some area control or something. And I just doesn't know. It seems weird to me. We did have Democker. We did have Democker. Man, that is game number one. Fun fact. Game number one on Board Game Geek. And not, not, the, not but like literally game ID number one. Hmm. Uh, you know, BGG slash games slash one or whatever. Democker. For the longest time, that's the game I would mention when someone would be like, oh, you like board games. Do you like Monopoly? And I would go, <laughs> and the conversation would, you know, end up at heavy games. And I would always mention Democker. I would always be very proud of my four-hour board game about the German political system. <laughs> we played it a few times. I think it's just finally, it just gave out. I think the bottom just finally fell out from underneath it. And we played it uh, sometime last summer or something. Yeah. And we were just like, this was this was really probably, I remember it being pretty cool as a great example of what real out-of-the-box thinking for a Euro game could be. Um, it was a trailblazer. It was a, I feel like it was a trailblazer, and I just think it's, it's, it's dated now. Yeah. They tried bringing it back a while ago. Um, you know, you might be able to get your hands on that. But in my opinion, they got rid of the best part of Democker, which is if you see that someone is doing particularly well, if you line up your political uh, opinions with their political opinions, you can force a merger with them, and there's nothing they can do about it. You're just kind of riding their political party's coattails. Uh, I thought that was neat. They got rid of that rule in the remake. They made it optional. And Oh, no. Oh, no, she says. Uh, but that, that does change the nature of the game. I think Democker, look, if you can find it, you know, get it part of a trade, it's it's worth exploring as a as kind of a a relic. A relic is too strong a word, but as like an example of a of an earlier time. But there's better games. There's games that do what it does better now. Yeah. And then we've also had a request for The Loop. Which oh, is The Loop. Not related to the TV show. No, it is not Tales from the Loop, of which there is both a role-playing game and I think possibly a board game. We're talking about The Loop. Not this other game I saw, The Loop, The Life of Ordinary People. No, this is The Loop. Uh, it's a time travel game. Uh, it's this this mad scientist named Dr. Foe, I think, F-A-U-X. Uh, and it's a cooperative game where you have to go find like the various time traveling copies of Dr. Foe and shut him down in like four of the six systems or something like that. It has that weird plastic dice tower or cube tower in the middle. Saw it a lot at PAX. It was very, very popular at PAX. Strictly cooperative games are, are are real hard sell for me, for varying reasons. What about Dark Tower? That's that there. There's a good reason that we have that. That's because of the bomb ass tower that sits right there in the middle of the table and spits <laughs> out skulls at you. That's pretty fun. So we do have a segment already recorded for a time travel game that we'll be playing next week for the first time. Yeah, I don't know how that works, but <laughs> time travel. <laughs> it's weird. So one of the other trends in these emails, and I'm going to take All the lead 47, on this. All 47,000. Yeah, exactly. 164. 164. Yeah. Is that several of yours, Paul's, Mine. fans from yeah. your old YouTube days. I had 3,000 subscribers back then in my heyday. That was a lot of, I feel like that was a lot of subscribers. Yeah, back in those days for sure. Yeah, a the lot of them ages. have left. I think if I looked, I, I haven't checked the channel recently. It's somewhere now in like the high 1900s. 
But you also still get messages on those. I do. I got a couple today, actually. I know. So several of the emails actually mentioned that they remember you from way back then. So I'm going to embarrass you right now and read a couple oh. of those excerpts. <laughs> you think that's going to embarrass <clears throat> me? I have no shame. It is actually maybe impossible to embarrass <laughs> you. I've tried. Yeah. Your reviews, along with a couple of other folks, were my favorite thing at that time in the hobby. Thank you for your hard work and contributions. Oh. Yeah. Well, no problem. And here's another one that I even like a little bit better. I got into the hobby around the same time you were making your videos and always loved them. Glad you are back with Laura entertaining <laughs> us listeners with your opinions about board games. Yeah. That was that was that was a different life. I think we've we've alluded to the fact that we have not been together or married for for as long as we've both been alive. Mm-hmm. Unlike most people. <laughs> In the scale of 43 some odd years, you know, we have been together, but for a fraction of them, that was a different life. But I am now back here with Laura, and there's nobody that I would rather be here with. Aww. Aww. A few of you also compared us to other podcasts you listen to, and we are... Absolutely honored to be mentioned in the same sentence as shut up. We do not say their name. They Um. are our fiercest competition. (laughs) At best, we refer to them as that charming British board game review conglomerate. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, several of you also mentioned that your family is your playing group, and we are really hoping that our kid likes playing games with us. Yeah. It's. Uh, uh, <laughs> can you imagine her poor life if she doesn't? Yeah, it'll be relegated to digging holes and throwing <laughs> rocks at walls because that's what she's going to be doing while we're in here playing playing games. No, you know what? Every parent has a whole bunch of things they want their kid to love, and in some cases, they want their kid to hate. Um, but if she wants to play board games with us, that's great. If she doesn't want to play board games with us, that's also fine. She is free to be who she wants to be and do what she wants to do, uh, except she better not like One Night Ultimate Werewolf because that is just not going to fly in this house. Deal breaker. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Most of all, we want to thank you all for the feedback and kind words. We were truly overwhelmed with the number of responses we got. Yeah. Um, Have a great summer, Sharon. And hope you had a great evening a couple of weeks ago, too, Kevin. And Todd, we hope that the whole week was great for you. You know what? I hope that all of his weeks are great, not just that whole And week. all of our dear listeners' weeks. Every week, every week of every month of every year of every life of every dear listener, I think, should be great. It ought to be great. Well, everyone. <laughs> you know what? No, a few of them not quite so great because then that way they can really appreciate the great ones. Otherwise, if it's all just a, a single flat line... You don't really appreciate it. Everything's Good point. Yeah. Okay, now let's move on to yeah. oh, oh. the yeah. moment everyone's been listening to this entire podcast waiting oh, for. Oh, man, we've been here for like three hours talking about mailbag. But here we go. It is about time to do our random drawing of one of these lucky emails uh, to get this $80 Canadian gift card to Board Game Bliss, courtesy of Bosco, who by all accounts... Is just a, a real saint, just a really nice guy. And on a side note, multiple folks yeah. who emailed in specifically called out how great Bosco is too. Yeah. So and Bosco, there's some love for you as well. If I ever get a chance to meet Bosco at a convention, definitely handshakes all around. But here we go. We've stalled long enough. It is time for our fully random uh, process, highly technical, highly technical. I spent a lot of time working on this. Ooh, I'm so excited. Yeah. Uh, Alexa, 
Please pick a number between 1 and 47,164. Here's a number between 1 and 47,164. It's 21,192. Okay, hold on. Hold on a second. I have a big stack of paper I have to go through here. Hold on. Uh, uh, yeah, this isn't... Oh, no. Oh, what? Oh. Um, okay, hold on. Hold on, hold on. All right, here we go. I think we found it. It is... Uh, Norm! Norm with the fun Simpsons avatar here. Norm, uh, you are our winner. Uh, look forward to an email from us letting you know that you have won this gift card and uh, our eternal gratitude for uh, actually responding to our request for, uh, for email feedback so that we know that we have at least one human dear listener out there. Uh, in addition to the other four, 47,133 people. 63. 63. What? What did I say? 43. I'm going to say that again. In addition to the other 47,163 people, it's it's great. It was really, we were blown away. We were blown away by all these responses. Uh, nice words, excellent suggestions, uh, food for thought uh, about- about Nom, 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 nom. nom. <laughs> about where we want future episodes to go. But I think that wraps it up for this one. I think we are. I think we're about done here. I, my beer is running out. Uh, the cat is outside, scratching furiously at the door. That's true. To please let her in, so that we can sit down on the couch and watch our nightly TV show. So it sounds like all that there really is left to do is say thank, thank you, you for honoring, for honoring us, us with your ears and your emails. You smell like cat food, like. I smell it on you. Well, you've just fed her cat food. Yeah, but she's... Oh, you think she's been rolling around in it? I mean, she's breathing it. <laughs> My cat's breath smells like cat food.